2 Samuel chapter 11, you can read about this. And I've been talking the last couple of weeks on being shaken. And how I mentioned it last week. Sometimes you go through life and it's not the devil shaking you. It's not God shaking you. But you have done it to yourself and brought on the troubles in your own life all because of you. We like to blame the devil for it. Well, the devil done this to me. No, you got yourself in that. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you'll read about David getting himself in his own shaking. Because it starts off in 2 Samuel saying, and it happened. It happened. What happened? It says it's happened that in the springtime, when kings were supposed to go off to battle with their troops, that David stayed in Jerusalem. It happened that he let his guard down for one moment. This is the first time you'll ever see David without his mighty men around him and his army around him. And it happened that he got so complacent and so, so caught up in everything that was happening because in 2 Samuel chapter 7 on through to 11, you're only going to read about the blessings, how God had finally established David and he's finally on the throne and everything is going good. He has brought back the Ark of the Covenant and worship has been established in the house again and everybody he fights, they're just killing everybody, blessings and, and wars and victories and everything is happening great until you get right here where it says and it happened that David stayed back it happened that in the time where kings were supposed to go to war David stayed in Jerusalem men you can be blessed and everything's going good and you're doing the right things you have worship established back in your house. You have the ark back there. You're, you're leading Bible studies with your kids. You're talking about Jesus. But the complacency part of everything being normal and everything going good is when it will happen. For one moment in time, he thought, I will stay back and let them go to war. And it happened. For one moment in time, you'll let your guard down. And guess what? It'll happen. David's rightful spot was to be there. We can't see David without his men. Even when he's running from Saul all those years, he has his men with him. He's always surrounded by his men. Then it happened. He stayed. And then in that moment... The Bible goes on to say, and it happened again. What happened again? He gets up from out of his bed one evening, steps on a rooftop, and sees Bathsheba. One moment of letting your guard down will often lead to another moment of it happening again. Because if David would have been where he was supposed to be, he would never be on a rooftop looking over at Bathsheba. The moment you find yourself being letting things happen in your life is the moment you're going to find your eyes looking to something it should not be looking at. And it's going to happen again. 
And he looked over there and seen how beautiful she was. And one moment of him being complacent and staying back. And that one moment of him doing that led to another moment of him looking. Is there times that, talking to the men right now, is there times that things are just put in front of your eyes and women that you can't have no control over? Yes. There's times that you can turn a corner and see something you're not supposed to see. There's times you can be on your phone or, or looking through Instagram or Facebook or Snap and something pops in front, of your, in front of your eyes and you're not supposed to see it. There's times you can't control that first look of what happens. But David's look turned into a linger. And he kept staring at Bathsheba and how beautiful she was. And then that linger turned into a moment of lust. I want her. How do you know that? Because David, he looked at her so long he could describe to the servants just what she looked like. And from his description, he described her so well. They said, oh, we know who that is. That's Bathsheba. So he didn't just look and turn. He looked and stared. And he looked and gazed. And he looked and lingered. And then he looked in lust. I've got to have her. Because of one moment of where he's supposed to be on the battlefield. Because of one moment, the slippery slope of sin has set in on David's life. And, and he's going down it. And then one lust turned into one inquiry. Go get her. Bring her to me. What am I saying, men? I'm saying, yes, there's times in your life that everything could be going good, but in one moment, if you don't keep your guard up and stay where you're supposed to stay, David's duties was to be with his army. That's where his duties were. A lot of times we don't like duties, but duties will keep you from evil. Duties will keep you from committing sin. Duties will keep you away from doing your eyes looking and lingering and lusting after something. As Christian men, you have a duty. To raise your family in the fear of the Lord and teach them and lead them and guide them and direct to them. That is your duty. So yeah, it's hard sometimes. Sometimes you want to sit down and sometimes you want to throw your hands up in the air because it may not be going like you want it to. And sometimes you just want to give up. But your duty is not that because the moment you quit, the moment you give up on your duties is the moment it happens. It happens happens. Yeah, some people don't like coming to church, but as Christians, our identity, it's our duty to be here. It's our duty to teach our kids that the house of the Lord and His presence and coming together is one of the most sacred and important things we can do because the Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves because there's something when people come together in like-mindedness and serve and worship Him that's our duty. Yeah, we may not like it sometimes, but guess what? If you're not here, you're out there. Sin is more likely to occur out there than it is in here. Can it happen in the church? Oh, most definitely it can happen in the church house. 
But the likelihood of it happening here and out there, it's greater out there. So your duties of being a good father and raising your family and getting them to church will keep them from sinning, keep them from evil, and to keep them more likely from doing it. Let me put it like that. So as a Christian, as our identity, there's just some things that we're supposed to do. It's our duty to do it. But the moment we give up on our duty is the moment it happens. It happens. Men, are you more likely to, to, to see a female out on the ball field or at the beach on a Sunday that half clothing you are in the church house? Yes, you are. Is it more likely that that one look that you see might turn into a, a linger and a lust? Yes, it is. Is it that moment that you got your, your Facebook open or, or your browser on your, your phone and, and that picture pops in front of your face? In that moment, what do you do? Do you look? And do you linger? And then it, does it turn into lust? If David, even though if he would have been at war, this would have never happened. If he would have looked and turned and went back inside, it would have never happened neither. So the moment it pops in front of your face, men and women alike, the moment it pops in front of your face, you need to close your brows or turn your phone. Do whatever you need to do. Turn the channel. Whatever you need to do, you need to turn that away so you don't look and linger and lust. Because if you keep looking, it's going to lead to those things. That's hard, Pastor. <laughs> you know how, my, how many families' pornography is torn apart by men and women? You want to know how many families the look turned into linger and lust has torn apart of a co-worker at the office? Do you want to know how many families that, that has happened to? Be, do your duty, men, and stay in the fight and stay in the war and be where you're supposed to be. And that moment won't happen. He inquired of Bathsheba. She came. He lay with her. She became pregnant. That duty turned, that, that, that moment, that, that look, that linger, that lust, that inquiry turned into just full-blown uh, 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 adulterous affair. And then, then he calls for her husband, Uriah, to come like bring Uriah back from the battle so, so he can lay with her. And maybe it won't look like this happened. Uriah gets back from battle. David calls him in and asks him, how, how's everything going? And, and Uriah fills him in. He says, listen, go, go on down there with your wife and, and go home tonight and be with her tonight. Wake up and Uriah is laying right outside with the servants right in the king's door. He knew about duty. Uriah knew if you go back to where David was, was him and his army was, was fleeing Saul and they show up at the priest's house and they ask for something to eat. And he says, well, I got the showbread here. I, you know, I just changed it out. Here's the old. You can have it if you have not known a woman. If you have not... Uh, if, if you've been clean this time, if you've not known a woman, then you can eat of the old showbread. And David said, yeah. 
We haven't. When we go to war, basically says when we go to war, we don't do that kind of things. We got one thing on our mind, and that's the victory. So we abstain from all that other stuff. So he gets to eat the showbread, and his men gets to eat the showbread. So David, his pack with his, his, his army was just that. So Uriah that night... He didn't go back and lay with his wife and eat the meat that David sent, but he laid there in the king's doorway. And David got up and was like, man, what is wrong with you? Have you seen your wife? She's beautiful. And he says, I can't go in, into my wife and I can't go to my house when, my, when the Ark of the Covenant is on the battlefield. And when my men and Joab and all of them are out there in tents in an open field in war, I can't go do those things because that's not my duty. My duty is to be sacred and be away and be clean for my wife. And all this while, the moment I'm in war. And the next thing... He calls Uriah the next day he's, and he, he fixes a feast and gets him drunk. Because David knows that in drunkenness people do things they shouldn't do and act like they shouldn't act. He knows that. So he, he's smart. He gets Uriah drunk. But guess what? Uriah sleeps outside again that night. Even in Uriah's drunkenness, he's more righteous than David. I said something about pornography. I'll say something about alcohol right here. Yes, what is alcohol designed? Why do they sell it? They design it so you indulge in it and take it and keep drinking it and get you hooked and get you wanting on it. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have a problem with drinking one or two. Let me tell you this. And I can't, I can't sit here and tell you one or two is going to send you to hell. I can't. Biblically, I can, I can tell you a drunkard is somebody who spends their whole life on it and, and everything they make and all that and waste their family and, and cannot, yeah, they're going to wind up there. I can't tell you if you go out to the restaurant, for, and some of y'all may not like me after this, if you go out to the restaurant and have a, have a, a glass of wine, I can't tell you that that's going to send you to hell. That's not on me to do. That's between you and the Lord. But if you're convicted about that, you don't need to do it. But what I can tell you, if it was me and I went out and I had one or two, I can control myself. But my kids see that. Well, guess what? When he gets that old, he might not can control himself. And then I've led to him being an alcoholic because he's seen daddy do it, but he gets a hold of it and he can't control what he's doing. So he indulges and taking it. He becomes an alcoholic because of what I showed him in my life. That's the way I see it. The Bible says don't be a stumbling block for somebody else. So I would rather not do it at all than him think, well, I can handle it, daddy does, and him not be able to handle it, or her, either one of them. So David gets Uriah drunk, and Uriah still doesn't go down. He stays the night. David sends him back to battle with his, death threat, his, his own death note in his hand, telling Joab to take him to the front lines, withdraw from him, and let him die. David's biggest tragedy all started with one moment. And it happened again, the Bible says, that Joab, he, it, it happens when Uriah gets killed and Joab comes back as servant and tells David everything and that Uriah is dead. And David thinks he's got it all covered up. 
the moment passes, Bathsheba does her mourning process, and it passes, and David says, come on home. Got it all covered up. You may think you've got it all covered up this morning. But then there was a prophet, Nathan came. Told David, who once was a shepherd boy that loved sheep, started this story off saying, David, there was two men, a poor man and a rich man. And they both had, the rich man had lots of herds and lots of sheep. And the poor man only had one little lamb. And the poor man loved this lamb so much that he treated it like his daughter. He, it ate from his hand. It ate from his table. It laid in his bosom. He treated it so well. And you can imagine David being a shepherd and him listening to this story. He said, well, the poor man, the rich man had somebody come visit him and they wanted to make a feast, but the rich man didn't want to kill his own lamb, so he went and took the poor man's lamb, all that he had, all that he adored. And David's anger rose up in him. Being a shepherd, he knew what it was to protect, feed, and take care of it and to care and love these lambs. So it rose up in him. And he tells Nathan, he said, whoever this is needs to die. He needs to repay fourfold of what happened. To, to, he needs to repay this guy. This shouldn't happen. He didn't have any pity on him. And then Nathan looks at David and says, you the man. You the man, David. The richest king there is. But you went and took somebody else's only treasure for yourself. You the man. You thought you had it covered up. You thought you got away with it. But God sees everything and knows everything. You the man, David. You the man. Am I talking to you this morning? Are you the man that has covered up things in your life? Are you the man that, that, that thinks you got away with everything? Oh, yeah, you might have. You might have according to people and what people know. But you ain't got away with nothing according to what he knows. Are you the father that keeps flirting? Oh, Lord, no. Are you the father that keeps flirting at work or making obscene jokes and gestures at... Just because your wife don't know about it, just because it's in passing, don't mean he don't see it because in one moment... Are you the man? And because of this sin David repents of this and God hears him puts his sin away from him but he tells him because of your sin this is what's going to happen the kid that she was pregnant with she, he's going to die sin always writes a check you can't pay you may think you got away with it, but the effects and consequences of sin in your life affects your family, man. Yeah. It affects them. If you'll notice in that scripture, David said fourfold he should repay. But you to notice something. The, the, the baby Bathsheba had, he died. A little bit goes on. David has two sons and a daughter. One of the sons looks at the other daughter and it's like, she is beautiful. I want her. And he takes her in and he rapes her. And after he rapes her, he don't want to have anything to do with her. 
or the other brother finds out about it, basically she loses everything. Hold up four fingers. The baby's dead. She, her life is distraught. She takes off her, her virgin clothes, takes off her kingly garment. She feels like filthy. Her life is basically gone too. The brother finds out about it, and guess what? He plots to murder him, and he does. He kills him. That's three. And then he runs in rebellion and hides, and then he leads an all-out rebellion against David and his throne. It costs David a lot of things, but he winds up, he dies too for the effects of one moment. One moment of sin don't just affect you, man. It affects your whole family. Devin, if you'll play softly, I'm closing. If you would stand with me. I want to ask somebody in here today, are you the man? Chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, verse 20. So David said to Nathaniel, or Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sins. You shall not die. We can read about this repentance of David in Psalms chapter 51 where David has sinned and he's crying out to the Lord and he says this. In this situation, I want you to keep that in mind. In this situation is David's song. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. He says, have mercy because there's not another man. There's not another father. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you will know me, make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear a joy and gladness. Make me hear joy and gladness. That the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of the bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you did not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God's are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. 
the good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings, whole burnt offerings. Then they shall offer bulls on your altars. That was his prayer. God, forgive me. Wash me as white as snow. Create in me a clean heart. And renew in me a steadfast spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence. So I want to ask you this morning, are you the man? Are you the man he's speaking to? With every eyes bowed, every head bowed, eyes closed, as Devin sang this, if God has spoken to you this morning, you're the man. And you're the man, I ask that you step out. Because you can't fix sin. The only one that can fix it is him. No matter how hard you try to cover it up, he's the only one that can fix it. Are you the man? Go ahead, Devin.